0: In the beginning, very beginning, before anything had been imagined or thought of, there was just one thought, and the thought was a word. The word. It existed before it was spoken, before it was written, before it was printed. It just was Word The Word. But words need a sound, and its sound was the sound of being. The sound of becoming. The ancient prophets spoke about this first word. The very first sound ever made. And the sound of the words was love. Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. Thanks so much for joining us from wherever you find yourself this Christmas time. We hope that you enjoy your time with us and we're so pleased that you could join us. Today I'm joined by Anne who's going to read for us and lead us in prayer later. So let's listen for the word of God. Reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses
1: 26 to 38. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee named Nazareth. He had a message for a girl promised in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. The girl's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Peace be with you. The Lord is with you and has greatly blessed you. Mary was deeply troubled by the angel's message and she wondered what his words meant. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. God has been gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the Most High God. The Lord God will make him a king, as his ancestor David was, and he will be the king of the descendants of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, I am a virgin, how then can this be? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and God's power will rest upon you. For this reason the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Remember your relative Elizabeth. It is said that she cannot have children, but she herself is now six months pregnant, even though she is very old. For there is nothing that God cannot do. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said.
0: And the angel left her. Incarnation. Taking on flesh, God slipping into skin. It's an amazing image that John's Gospel gives us of the word becoming human and moving into the neighbourhood. It's such a wonderful image, isn't it? Matthew and Luke have stories of the birth of Jesus. They tell us how it happened. In some ways, the beginning of the Gospel of John is the one that tells us what and why it happened. It's hard to get your head around it, though, that God would bother. That God would be so vulnerable, so tiny, so frail, so dependent. There are so many other ways that God could have chosen to sort the world out. He could have become a king an emperor, a Caesar, and ruled over all the world with power and military might. But that's not what God chose. God chose the least, the very least, a poor unmarried teenager. Most of us wouldn't trust a teenager with a doll, but God isn't most of us, and neither was Mary. The Bible tells us Mary things about Mary. All of them point to a strong woman. Mary said yes. That was good enough for God to trust her with everything. Luke is so matter-of-fact about it all. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While well, they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. God chose the very least of places. Jerusalem's just up the road to the capital, the city on a hill, the shining heart of a religious kingdom. The temple is there, the Holy of Holies, but God, God chose somewhere else. Bethlehem, even the prophet Micah calls Bethlehem the runt of the litter. What a place to start something new. What a place to change everything. We often talk about doing what Jesus would do or trying to work out what God's priorities are. But we should know. Our problem isn't that God hasn't spelt it out for us. Our problem is that we so often try to avoid the hard bits. The difficult places, the awkward situations where we come face to face with the least. We avoid those moments that make us think about how we live and and what our priorities are. What makes this story even more remarkable is that it started in with the animals. Joseph's returning to Bethlehem because that's where he's from, it's his city, so why does he have nowhere to go? Well, that's not really what the Bible tells us. The word we translate as in that actually means guest room. Houses would have an upper room, a guest room, because Jews are honour-bound to provide hospitality, especially to family. The stable is downstairs at the end of the house. It's where the animals are kept. Some other relative must have got there first. It's a question we never ask, but I often wonder, was Joseph an outsider too? Was he the strange cousin that left Bethlehem for Nazareth? It's hardly moving up in the world, so why did he go? What was it that made Joseph leave in the first place? This wasn't really a time when the population was mobile like today. Carpentry is a family trade, so why would why would Joseph leave? And now he turns up with his pregnant bride-to-be. I wonder how many people said no. I wonder how many people thought first, of the shame and dishonour of taking in these distant relatives before they even saw a woman in the first stages of labour. That strong system of honour bound up in religious laws was a a difficult thing to break. So Mary and Joseph, they end up in with the animals and the muck and the stink because, because someone saw their need and said yes. And there, almost literally outside, Jesus was born. God slipped into skin, fragile tiny shivering gurning skin, and lived among us. Even the prophets didn't really get that bit, did they? They foretold a great king of David's line, David was the shepherd boy who became Israel's greatest ever king, the unlikely hero whom God raised up. This child would renew the line, he would bring peace. Unite the kingdoms for good, rule justly and honourably. But that's not what God had in mind. God chose the least as witnesses. Not courtiers, not noble men and women. Shepherds were the first to know. Shepherds? Could there be a more inappropriate bunch to visit God? Shepherds were the outsiders The least religious of their time. Their job meant that they were out in the fields or on the hills with the sheep. They never went to church. They couldn't maintain the strict purity laws and ritual washing. They were literally and metaphorically unclean and perfect. There was no big show at the temple, no announcement at the synagogues. Instead, there were angels on a hillside singing of God's glory to those who were supposedly cut off from it by the religious authorities. And the shepherds say yes. They leave their sheep and rush to see what God is doing. The story of the incarnation, the story of God taking on skin, is a story that points us firmly towards God's priorities. This is a story that starts in a stable and travels back to the back end of nowhere collects the waifs and strays along the way and ends up in an execution and a rubbish dump. If we need to ask where God wants us to be this Christmas after reading that story, then the only problem is us. So the waiting is almost over. The trees are trimmed. The parcels are mostly wrapped. Food preparations are underway. For some, Christmas Eve brings a rush of activity to get all the the last minute tasks done for others, Christmas Eve brings a calm approach as they quietly prepare to welcome the Christ child again. And for still others, Christmas Eve brings a desperate struggle just to survive another day. Because it's Christmas means little to the homeless young women sheltering under the railway bridge, trying to keep her Christmas box dry, dry so she can sleep under them tonight. Because it's Christmas has no impact on an addict wandering the high street, checking out opportunities for his next fix. Because it's Christmas brings no comfort to the young parent trying to do the best for their children. They're sick with worry about their partner or fighting in some faraway land. Because it's Christmas, it won't change a thing. Not unless we allow the baby God to leave the swaddling behind. Unless we embody Christ in our lives and what to bring peace and hope and light into the darkness of today's world. Because it's Christmas, won't change a thing. Unless we allowed the God of Christmas to be born in our hearts and in our lives this day and every day, because it's Christmas. Choose the least because God chose the least. God chose Mary and Joseph, a stable in Bethlehem, shepherds and outcasts and moved into their neighbourhood and trusted them with Jesus, his son, his only son. We believe in a word that forms on the lips of the creator and echoes in our souls. That word is love. We believe in a word that breaks the silence of evil and disturbs the noise of ignorance. That word is love. We believe in a word that brings life out of death and laughter with the morning. That word is love. We believe in a word that speaks to all the loneliness with self-giving compassion and care. A word that is love. We believe in a word that speaks to our futures, calling us by name to trust in you, to believe once more in a word, a word called love, a word called love that moved into the neighbourhood and lived among us and still lives among us.
1: Loving God, in your unending love, you sent an angel to Mary, telling her that she is blessed and highly favoured, as you were with her. We know today that you are with us, and we give thanks. Knowing your presence and rejoicing in the surety of your love, we pray today for your blessing and your guidance. On this winter's day, we remember the gift of your creation, given to us for sustenance and shelter. For us to protect and enjoy, yet we have squandered this gift and put the lives of future generations in jeopardy. We ask for strength to make changes now to protect and renew our planet before it is too late. In this time of uncertain futures, we pray for your church, both worldwide and this community of believers gathered before you today. Grant us the wisdom to create and support new growth, both spiritually and numerically, as we dedicate ourselves once more to your great commission. At this time of plenty, we give thanks for all that we have, for the joy that this season brings and the time we set aside to celebrate. But we also remember those among us and those around us with little who struggle and go hungry. Help us to be more generous and more loving this year. We pray today for ourselves, your beloved children, as we seek to follow you. As Christmas approaches and expectations of plenty, of community, of happiness are set, we remember that not all people enjoy this time of year, That the joy of others can cause pain in some. We ask for the wisdom to care for and be sensitive to those who need our help. At this time of year, we ask these prayers in your name and pray the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil lends the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
0: Amen. God of the waiting, come live with us. Show us how to walk bravely and speak boldly to live love. Blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Emmanuel, Breath, be with all of us this Christmas time and always.